Inside Outside Innovation is the podcast that brings you the best and the brightest in the world of startups and innovation. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger, founder of InsideOutside.io, a provider of research, events, and consulting services that help innovators and entrepreneurs build better products, launch new ideas, and compete in a world of change and disruption. Each week, we'll give you a front row seat to the latest thinking, tools, tactics, and trends in collaborative innovation. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. I'm your host, Brian Ardinger, and as always, we have another amazing guest. Today with me is Dr. Nada Sanders. Dr. Sanders is a distinguished professor of supply chain management at Northeastern University and co-author of a new book called The Human Machine, Humankind Machines and the Future of Enterprise. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited to talk to you because you got a brand new book out in a topic area that I get asked about a lot, the new changing world of technology and obviously AI and machine learning and all these kind of things are coming up more and more. Obviously, corporations and startups are dabbling in this. And it's such an interesting topic because I think you get these wide spectrum of disagreement and understanding about what is AI and that. So maybe we start off with talk about the book and how did you decide to write about this particular topic and what did you learn from it? The human machine is actually an emerging form of enterprise. We're already seeing traits of it. And it's one that really combines the better qualities of humankind, things like creativity and innovation and judgment and intuition with the mechanical efficiencies of machines. Things that we see like economies of scale, big data processing, obviously artificial intelligence or AI. But this new organizational form combines humans and machines in really a symbiotic relationship. Here they're co-workers and they actually are working side by side and the enterprise is leveraging their unique strength. We started this research really with the goal, as you had asked, of really being captivated by the AI. I mean, the kinds of things that all of us, you, me, your listeners are seeing. We see it on an hourly basis, you know, bombarded with the latest things that AI can do. Right. So really, our goal was to go into enterprises and to see what are the capabilities, what is the latest and greatest that AI can do for enterprises. But we actually ended up somewhere really different. We actually discovered that for all enterprises, the key to technological success really lies in the human resource element. And this is at all levels. It's leaders, it's managers, and doers. And that was the single differentiator of success. And for us, it was really eye-opening because we called this the technological era, right? The tech era. Right. But really, we were even joking and saying, well, maybe we should be calling the human era because without the right human qualities, the right culture within the organization, we're not going to see success in the technology area within an enterprise. So let's talk about that a little bit. Obviously, there are a lot of misconceptions about AI. What are some of the biggest ones that you've uncovered or maybe had a different hypothesis going into your research that came out differently after you dug into it? We actually found a lot of executives taking one of two approaches, either this kind of a wait and see approach, let's see what technology is going to be, what's the latest thing or what competition is doing. A lot of that is simply because we're all just bombarded with all of this. 
The other approach was this view of it as a plug and play solution, something that we could just add on to current systems and it's just one more change that we have to implement. And neither of these uh, we think are going to work because it really requires changing the way the enterprise runs because of the focus on the people and the processes. And keep in mind, to do this research, we went inside dozens of companies. We interviewed C-suite executives and technology officers, and we did research on the front lines of AI and business strategy and even the law and philosophy of mind. And we try to weave all these threads together in what we think is a clear and straightforward roadmap for how organizational leaders can begin to move towards what we think is possible, which is superhuman enterprise management, because it harnesses the power of both AI and human resources. But the key is they have to come together. And that means that you have to have an interplay between the technology, the people within the organization, and the processes. You can't just take this technology, like I mentioned, the plug and play solution, mm -hmm. it's not going to work. This is a different era. You know, what we noticed very much on the cusp of a huge technological shift that's impacting competition at all levels. So let's talk tactics of some of the things that you maybe learned from folks who are trying to implement this. Are there particular ways that a leader in an organization can start better digesting or understanding where AI can play a role and what are the potential impacts that it can have? You mentioned it's not like you buy Salesforce and you put a CRM system in per se. How can a, an executive start understanding the basics and get a handle on what AI really means and what it could do for their organization? There are a couple of messages that I think are really important. The first one is you don't need every technology that is out there. I've seen, especially small enterprises, they can get a lot of gains even from some very simple technologies. One of the important aspects is to really understand, number one, your strategy, who you are, what you're trying to do. This is something that I hammer into pretty much everybody that I work with because I find that to be repeatedly a key element of a big mistake. Who are you? What are you trying to do? Just to give you an idea, I recently spoke to, I'm not going to mention names, but a giant in the pharma industry. And they were saying, we invest in technology and AI capabilities that are going to help us in R&D. That is what we're about. We're about R&D. And so the technology that we are acquiring and focusing in or on is in the R&D sector. And that right. same period, I spoke to somebody else in the pharma industry, and they specifically said, our job in the pharma industry is to be the Zara of the pharma industry, as Zara is the fast fashion, you know, copy retailer, if you will. And they said, we don't do R&D. We don't do innovation. We simply do generic drugs. What does that mean? That means our technology is focused on cutting costs and efficiency. It's just on cost and efficiency and these you know, production processes that are going to improve that. So I think starting with the strategy, you know, who are you and what do you need? 
one of the things that I can tell you, and I can give you lots of stories, in fact, I just talked to somebody this morning, one of the biggest problems is not understanding what insights to extract from all the data that everybody has now. It wasn't that long ago, just a few years back, where companies said, you know, we need more data and so forth. We have too much data now. We have so much right. data. A lot of it is dirty. It needs to be scrubbed. This is really important. But so many people that are analytically savvy don't know what to ask of it. I gave a talk last spring uh, here in Boston, and it was at the Amazon, one of the Amazon facilities here. And there was a young man, they kind of waited for everyone to leave. And he came up to me and he said, can you help me? He said, I work for this and this company. I'm a procurement analyst. And he said, all day long, I stare at the data. And I don't even know what to ask of it. Right. Because at the end, right, business leaders, they have to make decisions. And there's only so many KPIs to focus on. So what do you focus on? What do you extract from the, from the data? So coming full circle to what you had asked me, what's the strategy? What questions do you need answers to? What are you about? And then looking to see the kinds of technologies that you need that are going to help you get those answers. And right now in this huge AI space that all the amazing stuff that's going on, I've actually seen smaller companies that have asked the right questions and extracted good answers, even using Excel. And my point there is, is that I think if you know what to ask and what to get, it's much more effective than trying to chase the latest technology. Yeah, I think that's um, such a, an important point to talk about the fact that while we think of AI as a technology or machine learning, et cetera, it's not necessarily about the technology itself that creates the value. It's how do you use those tools? How do you use that technology in such a way that adds value, gives you new insights, et cetera? So on that front, if organizations out there are trying to figure out what questions to ask and that you often hear about the big companies, whether it's you know Amazon, Googles of the world, or China that are collecting so much data and they have the ability to crunch through a lot of that stuff. How can traditional organization that understand what questions to ask and then compete against the big data giants that are out there right now? In some ways, if you're a smaller company, it's kind of go primitive, right? It is really leveraging the human resources and the creativity in the questions that you ask, because you don't need all of what Amazon is doing. You don't need all of this giant stuff. It's really easy to get kind of lost in, in a lot of this. I mean, Amazon is obviously a different animal and is leading in this particular space right now. And I only pause and say right now, because I remember it wasn't that long ago, I have to tell you that Walmart was the big giant. Right. And I remember one of my MBA students asking me, do you think that anybody will ever be more powerful than Walmart? Because we sort of think that you know, something is forever. Amazon isn't forever either. And it's very easy to get into this where you are so big and it's easy to fail. And I think in some ways, Smaller companies become or can become much more limber, especially if they have the right human resources and the right people. You know, one of the things, Brian, that I think is important to distinguish 
between businesses and a lot of the other AI capability that we see. So a lot of the AI capability that we see is in areas like medicine and in biology or maybe data extraction. Mm -hmm. But what happens when you run an organization, you have a system. Every organization, every enterprise, big or small, is a system. And a lot of these capabilities are very deep, but also very siloed. So you have this really deep, amazing capability in this one arena, whether it's in gene therapy or whether it's one siloed area. But when you are dealing with a business, when you're trying to run a business, you have a system. That means that your marketing has to be linked to your operations, your logistics, your purchasing. Yeah, we have this great AI capability on the marketing side. Excellent. If you are not able to make it happen on the operation end, if you don't get your sourcing right, you are better off having a weaker system across the board, but having really good flow through the system. I really think that's something that when we get so caught up in the hype of the AI, we forget that it's a very different story when you're talking about biology or medicine or gene therapy or whatever it is compared to say running a business. Because when you're running a business, you know, all the pieces have to, they have to fit together. And I've seen, and you've seen this too, businesses that have collapsed because they couldn't deliver even though great promises were made on the marketing end or on their website. But you got to also make it happen. So let's switch gears a little bit. So we talked about the technology side of things, but your book is about the human side of things as well. Let's talk a little bit about some of the ways organizational leaders and that can talk about or grasp the fact that this is a human thing and there's a lot of human emotions concerned. You hear stories about the robots coming to take my job and how everything's going to change and the value of humans are not going to be quite as much as the machines out there. How can you stop those particular fears or mitigate those challenges or mitigate those fears as these new technologies begin to take hold? There's a few things we have to accept. We have to accept that we're in a period now of lifelong learning. So it's not going to be enough where you just got your degree and you're going to have the same job forever. Many of the executives that we talked with were, you know, even at the SVP level, were doing, say, a weekend leadership training that had to do with digital leadership. They were constantly staying up to date. And that's going to be the case for all of us. But I think that we're going to see the repetitive jobs go away. Anything that is repeatable and easily coded is going to go away. But what's going to happen is things that require the human skills, communication. So take something as simple like, say, purchasing in a business. I'm actually seeing businesses that are using bots to do purchasing now. But the purchasing that's made by the bots is binary. Yes, no, quantity, things that you can code in a binary fashion. But when you're talking about negotiation, whether it be the orders or the types or quality or anything, you need humans and you need people. So I recommend that everybody be really trying to further develop skills like negotiation, communication, emotional intelligence, being able to read people, 
as everyone tries to reskill, it is important to understand how coding works and the logic that takes place and, and all of that. But I think somewhere along the way, we started to forget about the criticality of our human skills. And those are really the skills that we really, all of us and everybody in the business needs to be cultivating. I mean, if we think about, Brian, some of the greatest inventions, I mean, I'm sitting at my desk now, I'm looking at sticky notes. I couldn't live without sticky <laughs> notes, right? All of those were things that were just simply aha moments of humans that they go, wait, I could use this for something and something totally different. Most inventions that are those things come from human ingenuity and creativity. And so I think that businesses need to cultivate that in their workforce. Those of us that are humans need to be, you know, when we study more, we need to be learning how to do that, how to do that better. When, you know, when students ask me if I could take only one class, what would that be? I would say take communication because that is, is becoming really, really critical because machines can't do that. Machines are not going to take that away from you. They're going to take the coding. Machine learning, machines are teaching themselves to code. So I think that coding in itself as a skill is very, very short run because they're going to get better at us faster, quicker, but they're not going to be able to negotiate. They're not going to be able to look at somebody in the eye and feel the emotions to be able to communicate and to convey. And the other thing I have to add is systems thinking, which, right. and I've heard this, by the way, I've heard this from a lot of senior leaders when they look to hire. They want people that, so if, let's say you're in the, I gave purchasing as an example, and I remember specifically somebody recently said, you know, purchasing by itself isn't enough anymore, but I want somebody that can link it to strategy, the system to finance. And it's funny. I had a, in one of my classes just the other night, my MBA class had an engineer who came up to me and said, you're talking about strategy and systems. This is so hard for me. And he's got a graduate degree in coding, but being able to understand the pieces is actually really hard for people that have deep technical knowledge. These are the kinds of skills that I really recommend that people really focus and try to foster and then businesses try to hire people. That's to be very, very careful in terms of the kind of skills, the kind of talent that they hire, and then making sure that they're also continuing to further that, right? That they're helping people nourish these kinds of skills. Most fascinating stuff. I encourage people to pick up the book, The Human Machine, Humankind, Machines, and the Future of Enterprise. Dr. Sanders, if people want to find out more about the book or yourself, what's the best way to do that? Two ways. They can certainly look me up on LinkedIn, but they can also go to thehumachinebook.com. And certainly I am on LinkedIn and Twitter. So I really appreciate this. It really is a huge shift that we're looking at. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you being on Inside Outside Innovation to share these insights. Look forward to continuing the conversation. Excellent. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. That's it for another episode of Inside Outside Innovation. If you want to learn more about our team, our content, our services, check out insideoutside.io or follow us on Twitter at the IO Podcast or at Artinger. Until next time, go out and innovate.